Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a foreign dreamer who started from being a flight attendant and worked her way up into now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and seasoned entrepreneur in multiple successful ventures. This podcast is for the awakened dreamer. Industry icons will share their humble beginnings up to the leaders they are today. Let's all learn and be inspired. Together, we can all prosper. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. It's the podcast for the dreamers, more importantly, the doers. I'm your host, Melody. If you're one of those who are interested to learn more about innovation and startups, this episode is for you. Joining us here today is the founder and CEO of Pranos.ai. It is a company that broadcasts or that has a broadcasting system that converts car windows into HD digital display. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome David Valverde. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for gracing the show. All right. So um, let's start. If you could share with our audience a backstory on your company, Pranos. Right. So, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but it's been, you know, about a year and a half since we started Pranos, but um, it's kind of been a longer story than that, but we're essentially converting car windows and digital displays for consumers. And uh, it's, we actually initially started in Silicon Valley and, uh, we just all of a sudden got attention worldwide for a product. So we decided to create a consumer product out of it. So that's where we're at today. Did you say a year and a half? It only took you a year and a half to launch it or from inception? Well, it's been about three years, but yeah, um, it's about, it's been about a year and a half of development for the consumer product. So just a year and a half. That, that's remarkable, David. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the first version of our product too. So um, this is just our first version and we have a lot of other products in the roadmap as well. Yes, and, and for our audience out there, though this is a podcast, if you go to our YouTube uh, channel, you'll see the video and the clips of this amazing technology. Why Pranos? Uh, how did you come about with that name? Uh, initially, it sounded like a, a Marvel comic superhero right but um why right well actually i don't i usually don't share this backstory but i gotta i'll go ahead so basically prana is a bit a made-up name and it just sounded right um when thinking of uh, a name you know we wanted it to pass the radio check so two syllables and something that's easy to spell so prana is kind of suitable and uh initially it was pranas so like the uh the hindu chakras um but Prana. mm-hmm. Pranas with an A. Um and that's you know basically the name derived from Pranas and then turned into Pranos. We just felt it sounded right. So right. Mm-hmm. yes, it has a it has that uh, a good ring, a good ring to it. Uh so if um I have an eight-year-old, if you if you're going to uh share with an eight-year-old how your technology works, how would you share that? Got it. So, you know, the first step is to download our app or consumer app um, that's currently in development. It's not in the app store uh, just yet, but 
Um, once you download the app, you once you purchase our, our hardware, you you install it yourself. You download the app, and then you basically can screen share anything, any video, any content you have on your phone directly from your phone to our display, similar to how AirPlay works. And so from the, app, from the app to the to your car window, right? How does that work? How will it communicate? Well, so essentially we're using Bluetooth technology. So our, our hardware module connects to the app and and we basically uh, screen share any content and mirrors it to the window. So basically the the there's been a lot of case studies and research we've done around this. And it's also based off of consumer preferences. They've all kind of wanted a platform that they that the, any consumer could control, right? And people wanted to, so we're basically creating a new communication channel that allows people to broadcast any content they like, any message they like. Maybe they want to broadcast their business or maybe they want to, and, and then also we're rolling out phase three, which will allow for ad revenue to uh, come through, through programmatic advertising. And that's when uh, you're going to be able to monetize, but that's going to be phase three of our launch. Currently we're in phase one. So it's mostly going to be used for, you know, TikTok videos, political messages, brands using it at conferences and, uh, and, and just people wanting to use it because it's just this new flashing device. Right. Um, so that's kind of the market that we're initially going to target. Um, and how did you come about with, with this idea, David? Yeah. So we wanted to uh, basically create a, a channel that, uh, that was decentralized and that allowed for people to communicate. And we also made it a consumer product because we want to hit ubiquitous scale worldwide. I mean, we've gotten, uh, we've gotten messages from basically every continent already um, where people just want to use it. They want to buy it. They want to maybe buy it to monetize their fleets their whether it's a taxi fleet or public transportation, uh, transportation authorities, um, so there's just so many use cases. So we decided to just ma- manufacture these displays to be used for a broad array of uh, applications. So the idea kind of came from discovering and understanding that and building a product that's affordable, that's turnkey, and that allows for uh, freedom of expression. So um, really, I guess the product, really, we, we kind of first kind of do- dove into the market, discovered the market. And then we kind of created the product after that, after kind of realizing all these things. Um, but initially, um, and I'll kind of touch on this a bit, we actually went through a Y Combinator um, with Grabit, uh, YCS18. And uh, we're basically also converting windows and digital displays, but we're selling ads. And uh, we're basically leasing these equipments to everyday drivers, DoorDash drivers, and then we were selling ads. And that model was, and I was a co-owner of that company. And that, that model was not sustainable. And we had we ran out of runway and we had to sh- shut it down because we had artists in Hollywood that wanted to purchase it, like DJ Khaled. <laughs> um, Lady Gaga wants to do something with us next month. Um, and, and, and then we just kind of realized that this is more than just a high perf- a performance vehicle for advertisements, like a digital taxi topper we realized that this is just a new mean and mode of communication. So it was just bigger than we realized. Um, so we kind of kind of be- became more of a broad platform that's consumer facing. So. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully that wasn't too <laughs> too much for him. So, so is there any anything remotely close to what you have right now? So who is your your major competitor? Yeah, so and that's a great question, right? Um so we're relatively new and that's well, that's one of the reasons why we've talked to so many different entrepreneurs, investors worldwide and internationally. It's it's been it resonates. Um as far as competitors you know, billboard companies, um, of course, you know, the inventory is just 400,000 billboards across the United States. So, um, and it's also B2B focused, um, digital taxi toppers, I guess. Um, so out of home advertising, as far as out of home advertising is concerned, bus shelters, billboards, digital taxi toppers, you know, just, uh, a sign on a tree, but we're not just advertising, right? We're, we're a means of communication. That's what we build it for consumers and it's consumer generated. So it's not, it's not a corporate, a company that's running ads all day long. Now we're just giving it to everyday people who are, you know, now the shift of consumer generated content is so huge. We're not giving them a publishing platform that allows them to um, expand that message. So that's the exciting part. And, and that's why it's hard. It's kind of like oranges and apples to compare us to a, you know, those digital taxi toppers on taxis because all they do is run ads. We're allowing people to just drive by and, and, and run whatever content they like, maybe a caravan or, or uh, you know, uh, advertising, uh, you know, like a sort of conference. So, I mean, I could talk about use cases <laughs> for days, but um, I like to think there's no competitors, but that's also very naive to say because there's always competitors. But as far as creating a display, a system that converts windows and digital displays that are ran by consumers. Uh, I don't think there's anything like that today. Um, so that's exciting for us. So in terms of um, ads, are you, uh, are you planning to add that in your um, menu of service to create ads as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, advertisements, of course, that's what, that's what runs all these free services, right? Like Facebook, Google. I mean, we're, we're basically selling our data in exchange for a free service, right? Um, so, or free service. But what I'm really trying to, what we're, what we're doing here is we're not really rolling out the advertising platform just yet. Um, although if you buy, let's say you're a real estate agent, you buy a unit, you cover all your three windows with our units and you run a real estate campaign, you know, with your, your, your brand or your small business, but in phase three we're going to be rolling out programmatic advertisements which are going to be generated through geo-targeted advertising and it's basically similar to um to double click and google um so basically depending on your driving patterns whether you're a doordash driver and you drive 80 hours a week or you just you know a driver a very regular driver that commutes to work and drives maybe six hours a week um, you can basically opt into our grid and basically at that point you connect to our cloud and we feed you ads depending on your driving patterns, where you are, um, geographically. And that's gonna, that's a partnership we have with a, uh, third party trade desk. But we're not gonna be rolling out, we're not gonna be rolling that out just yet because we're still developing that part of it. And also, we need to hit scale first, um, before we hit phase three we need to re- reach, you know, a few thousand, a few hundred cars 
per metropolitan area, right? It won't make sense to an advertiser if you don't have 3,000 cars. So that's what we're rolling out to consumers first and letting them decide if they want to monetize the drivers. So David, so as it becomes mainstream, that's the goal, right? Uh, and as you reach scale, what is it that you want the public to know? If they hear Pranos, the company, yeah. what, do, what do you want them to think of? So is it like, oh, Pranos, yes, it's, a, it's like a computer or it's like a, it's a, a TV monitor, a projector. What would be the easiest uh, one line to say Pranos equals this? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think we would like them to uh, see us as a new communication uh, mode that allows you to express yourself freely, truly freely, because, and also a mode that, uh, that uh, you know, it's not like Facebook, right, that, you know, you have to build a following or a website where you, you can't really run ads until you build a following, this is a platform that you can monetize as soon as you purchase it because there's people outside all day long. Right. Um, you have a, you have an audience right away because you're driving in front of it. Um, so just, yeah. So just letting people to see it as, um, and I guess I'll touch on this as well too, real quick, <laughs> just, um, having it be instead of seeing AI displacing you is owning a piece of AI and allowing it to work for you and make money for you. So, um, that's how I guess I, ideally that's the goal. I, I love for people to see it that way. Owning a piece of AI, that's really interesting. So let's talk about that. Um, they say I think it was a, a Forbes article uh, that was published. Was it recently? Where it basically says in twenty thirty, artificial intelligence will will contribute around fifteen trillion in world economy. So that's a uh, that's huge. But on the other hand, uh, from uh, Elon Musk to Steve Wozniak to Bill Gates, they're, they're saying that it could be very detrimental to, to the human race if left to, uh, to irresponsible hands, this artificial intelligence. Uh, what do you say? What, what's your swing? What's your take uh, on that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And we actually, when, when we first talked about this, we're, you know, in a boardroom with J.P. Morgan, who actually banks for us. And, you know, we we're talking to some of the, uh, the investment bankers there, and we we're kind of telling them about this particular, they asked us this particular question. And uh, what's interesting about that is that we, we, we kind of envision AI um, because there will, there will be a lot of displacement in the workforce. And we basically are allowing people to buy a system that generates money for you and you can, you can basically earn passive income just by owning this piece of hardware. And instead of seeing AI as something that's going to take your job, we're giving people the opportunity to own this piece of AI and allow it to work for you. Right. So, and I think that's how you, we should envision it because there will be displacement. A lot of jobs will be automated by, by so many different um, types of uh, automated workflows and, and flows and that's why we're building a consumer product that, you know, really the vision is eventually there'll be autonomous vehicles. So you can purchase an autonomous vehicle that's covered with our technology that runs ads. It goes off, you deploy it in the morning, goes off and drops people off. It drives people around like Uber, through Uber and Lyft. You own the vehicle. So you keep the, you keep the upside. 
And it also runs ads, so you keep the upside from the advertisement. So, I mean, that's the vision, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, right? And then you can just spend time at your house in the comfort of your home. And you made this investment that makes money. It works for you, right? So we just see AI from that front. And the problem is, I think, a lot of a lot of the – there is problems with it, but I think a lot of those ideologies are coming from – you know, corporations completely automating their, their, their manufacturing process and displaces, you know, a huge, huge number of their workforce. And then you have, you know, just this super high unemployment rate throughout the country. And that, I think that that's a big problem right there. So, David, for our listeners who are investors out there, what yeah. do you say to them about your company? How would you, what's your elevator pitch uh, on your company to any investor? Yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing is we're actually listed on WeFunder currently. And, you know, our vision has always been we've we've talked to many venture capitalists, institutional investors um, that are very interested. A lot of corporate VCs as well. We've talked to most of the automotive manufacturers as well. But a lot of the terms and the deals that they've offered us just don't make sense to us. And we've always wanted to. Basically where we build this for the people. We're not building this for advertising agencies. We're not building these for these corporate companies. We're building these for everyday people. And that's why what's interesting is through the the new SEC regulations, we're actually, we're filing with SEC and now we are doing a Reg CF off public offering via WeFunder. And uh, we've already started to raise a lot of money in the last few days. And we're still private. We haven't even publicly launched it on the website um, but you know, people, a lot, of, and these are just retail investors, right? And well, maybe some institutionals as well, but these are just, you know, like I said, you don't have to be an accredited investor to buy shares of products right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I guess to summarize it, you know, we are funded by the people and this is for the people. There's a platform for the people. And I think really the elevator pitch is, you know, we're creating a decentralized platform and communication means that is truly decentralized. And that's and, and, the, and that hopefully is loved by everyday people, not just the corporations. You know? So that's that's my elevator pitch. And if you want to learn more, go on our WeFunder page. And we are currently doing an early bird round, and it's going so away quick. So, so most of your funding is from uh, WeFunder. Say that again. So most of the fundings that you have received is through that platform. The WeFunder. Right. So we we we've, we've done some financing as well from before that, but I really can't disclose too much of that. It's not public information. But um, as far as what's in the public domain, um, our first financing round is through WeFunder, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's it was done that way strategically because we want people to keep the like I said. It's it's so I'm not I'm not just saying this for PR purposes or. Because I'm supposed to say this, we really truly believe that, you know, everyday people should get the opportunity to to buy stock in in uh, private companies and, and and follow our journey, right? Um, not just public companies or or not just accredited institutional investors in Silicon Valley that can keep this huge upside. Um, so that's why what's going on with WeFunder is amazing. I mean. Two weeks ago, they completely the, the new ruling completely changed the landscape. So, and I think you're on the right track there because I think that's really the trend uh, in in today's world. Today's consumer, they really want freedom more so than 
any other era. I, I think freedom of expression from the TikToks to to you know all the social media platforms out there. That's everyone. It's not a celebrity that are out there expressing themselves, right? So, so that's, that's the trend plus, um, uh, you know, so from the TikTok to the social media deregulation also of, uh, of currencies and whatnot. That's where a lot of people are kind of putting their, their money or their, their heads into. Uh, so let's talk about you uh, as an invest, uh, as an innovator. Uh, David, thank you for that. What has, uh, what has been uh, like? Who who inspired you, or what inspired you to be an innovator? Okay, well, you know, an innovator is such a relative term, but I guess you know, I I, I like to think that you know, we're at least we we like to be a net positive for the world and create something that's of value um, for society. <laughs> But, you know, as far as motivators and how I got here, I mean, I never really, I'm, I mean, I knew, you know, I had big dreams like every other kid in the world. Um, I just think that really the biggest thing was just a lot of life experiences and really whether neg- negative or positive and allowing them to, and I, I turned them into positive. So I, there was a lot of negative things in that moment. In, in the moment, I thought they were negative and I used them as catalysts or a fire within me that allowed me to kind of transcend those negative situations into and turning them into experiences and just I guess you know log into a fire just uh and just becoming an entrepreneur is it, some, uh, is it a particular teacher is it a particular um entrepreneur that kind of inspired you to oh. uh, kind of get into this route yeah well you know, no one that's living and no one that's currently an entrepreneur. Aristotle, Euclid, all these old philosophers, ancient philosophers that um, allow me to realize a lot of human potential. And it's a lot of this forgotten knowledge and realizing that this internal strength that you can find, but it, sometimes it takes a lot of solitude. It takes years to kind of realize what it means to you. I agree with you with, uh, with regards to innovation as, as a journey, you know, where, um, as they say, creativity is, uh, is the idea, is creating the idea and innovation is the doing uh, of the idea. And uh, so with that journey, what has been your biggest challenge? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. I think there's, there's always personal challenges. Um, I think for me, it's always been from the beginning, it's, it's being young, younger, <laughs> because, um, like, like I said, most of my team is, is, is more, it's older than me, more senior than me at my executive C-suite is older than me. And that, that was done on purpose because I, I like to surround myself with, you know, real executives that I can learn from. Um, so it's always, and everyone, all, all the executives from other companies that I talked to are always older and more senior, um, investors. So really it's just always, I've, I don't really talk to or hang out with people my age and it, it's just because it's just because of my situation. But, um, I guess trying to overcoming prove, the age barrier, you think? Well, I think, I think, um, I mean, there's younger entrepreneurs, like look at Zuckerberg, he, he, he became a billionaire at like 22. So, I mean, 
I'm sure he had to deal with it. Um, but, and it's happening all the time in Silicon Valley with entrepreneurs that are not as popular, but um, it's possible, but, and it's very accepted in Silicon Valley, but sometimes, yeah, they see you as this young kid and yeah, you are a young, young kid. But um, I think one of the biggest things for any young entrepreneur out there is to try to uh, surround yourself with people that are more experienced than you and, and, and try to uh, basically fit those gaps on your wall with, with, with your weaknesses, right? For me, it was, I mean, you know, I'm still learning so many different things. So mm-hmm. I think that was a challenge. And it, and it is a challenge, but I've come to terms with it. And I think of uh, my naivete and being naive and just not knowing a lot is really what causes disruption a lot of times because you just, you're naive. That's a good point. And I think uh, um, that naivety could be, uh, could, could also be a plus, you know, because that would start also your curiosity and you're not jaded. Right. So um, it's always a a double edge uh, sword uh, with that. Now let's talk about some tips. What would you, in, in a few words, what would be your tips to uh, those that are seeking funding? Where, where would you direct them if yeah. they asked you yeah, that yeah. question? I was actually thinking about that just yesterday. And uh, it's interesting because I think it's a long journey when it comes to uh, actually receiving uh, well, it's institutional funds or angel round or an angel round or, or going through a crowdfunding platform. Um, there's so much information out there that it can become really overwhelming. I, I really, I really, uh, I think one of the easiest things to do is try to go to uh, a startup accelerator and kind of learn. Uh, a lot of these startup accelerators have good advisors and will give you information that's actually real and, and good. Um, and I think, I think entrepreneurship has been glamorized way too much as well. I mean, it's just, it's not what people think. It's not as fun as you think. It's, it's, it's really held them back. Um, the accelerator. So you think uh, going through like an accelerator lab or um, yeah. so, so for funding, you think what would be uh, what would be the first step? Okay, so uh, Joe, you want you want some funding? From my experience, this would be this would be the first thing that you go to. So what would be the first? You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, first is you know what what is it you're trying to build a service or product? You know, obviously put a deck together. Um, try to find a, a co-founder that, you know, compliments you, um, you know, kind of try to be real introspective about what your actual uh, strengths are. And then whatever your weaknesses are, try to find someone that can, you know, compensate for that. Um, and then try to apply to accelerators. Um, that may not be, it's, those are very competitive as well. And if you don't get into those, uh, try to find advisors and, and then just give them equity in exchange, you know, maybe a point or two points in exchange for sometimes a little less, maybe half a point um, for, for their advice. And uh, you believe it or not, you can literally cold email or reach out to a big, big time name. And a lot of times these, these, these people that you think are really up there are just happy to really give advice and, and help out and be an advisor um, and give, give them because they're pushing it forward. So I, I recommend doing that. And another huge thing is, don't overvalue your company. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they come in, they think they have the biggest idea in the world and you may have the biggest idea in the world, but you got to either create a valuation model or, you know, you have to have the right comparables. You have to understand the market. And if you're in the seed stage or angel stage, 
you shouldn't, you, you really want to, some people come out and they try to value a company at 40 mil, hundred mil, and they, and they expect to raise three, four mil on that valuation. And it's just, you're going to look silly. You're going to look green and you're not going to get investments. You got to be realistic and bring that valuation down. And you're going to be giving a lot of equity up front, but if you want to make it happen, you got to do that. And if you want to attract the right talent, you've got to be generous with your equity as well. So, you know, and when it comes to co-founder discussions, that's another big thing. I think, you, I think it's a very valuable, uh, very valuable recommendation. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sharing that. Uh, and in any organization, nothing happens until someone sells something. Would you agree? So in terms of like sales and marketing strategy, what has been effective uh, for your company? Yeah, so we're actually just still in uh, development stage. So we're, we're actually pre-revenue. So just like what you just said, we're, we're able to raise funds pre-revenue, but do through our you know, patent portfolio or team or execution strategy, um, just our, our domain know-how. So we were able to raise at a high, very high valuation. But, um, but what I'm really trying to say is, in, in, to kind of touch on that point, yes, you do need recurring revenue. If you want to get institutional investors, um, ideally, right? Um, so where are you now? Where are you now with regards to having your so so? Let's say I like the product and I want to uh, I want to purchase it. Right. Where are we now on that stage of a consumer clicking a cart, clicking yeah. a button, putting it in the cart, and it being delivered? Where are we? Yeah, so, yeah that's a great question. So we're actually accepting pre-orders right now on our Pranos website, pranos.ai. Um, so currently we're just, we have so many different, I mean, we have the Dubai Road and Transport Authority that, that wants to put in all their taxis. And um, we have these massive, massive, massive deals that they're just in our wait list. So right now you, you would just be uh, pre-ordering the product. Our supply chain starts in uh, actually when, it, I mean, we're a hardware play. So it's, and to build what we're doing and to still be able to retail at $600, it's, it's, it's been a huge challenge, but it's also been, been, a, we've been able to do it because we, our supply chain starts in China. So, you know, I spent about six months in China, made great relationships with the, uh, the manufacturers there, um, and really just became like them. <laughs> I love China. And we were speak, able. Uh, do you speak the language now? And how is it with the with the whole Wuhan, you know, crisis and and whatnot? Uh, I mean, with the COVID. Uh, yeah. How was traveling there? Have you been recently? So I spent time in China before COVID. Um, it was about a year before COVID, and uh, so yeah, you know, to, to, to answer your question, to keep it concise, you know, we were able to drop our our, our costs from you know all these off the shelf components because you know. We're creating, you know, there's some hardware involved, there's software involved, and it, it can be costly if you manufacture here. I mean, it's just the reality. Let's wrap it up. Uh, so for, for our audience who want to support you, how yeah. can they find you? Yeah, so just go to our website, pronos.ai, and uh, you, can, you can find us there. My email is david at pronos.ai, and then WeFunder. Um, you know, feel free to go on WeFunder and look up Pronos and check it out. Um, I'm sure the page will do a lot better job than, than me talking about it because I could talk about it for years. It's a bit more concise on the WeFunder page. Um, yeah, feel free to check it out, see if it resonates with you.
You got it. I think you have a remarkable uh, idea there, and um, and I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of traction uh, sooner uh, versus later. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, David, for uh, for gracing the show. No, thank you so much, and it's been fun talking to you. Wonderful. So, um, for all the dreamers out there, keep believing. You got this. Till next time.